Dit is Fred Teven. Ja, ik ga daar. Holly Banana. December 8th, 2017, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Molly Quell, Dutch News contributing editor and expert manifesto writer, and with me today are Gordon Derrick, my fellow contributing editor at Dutch News, and assistant Pete, and Paul Peters, civil engineering master's student and perpetual creep shot taker. Why am I a perpetual creep shot taker? Because you took a creepy, like, 30-second video of me walking in the city center and then posted it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but in my defense, you were holding up your middle finger. I was holding up my middle finger And I just you. assumed that was just the way you walk around town. <laughs> it is when you are anywhere near me. Ah, okay, that's when right. When you're anywhere near me. <laughs> and why are we following Molly around town in the first place? Yeah. Uh, well, we had lunch together, and then oh. we uh, split off, and then we found each other again. <laughs> It was like fate, basically. Well, Dutch is a small place. Gordon, I realize that uh, the listeners cannot see the ridiculous sweater <laughs> that you're wearing, but perhaps you could describe it for them so they can also it's feel pain. Uh, it is what I would call a very fetching kind of a Christmas number with some snowmen and a tree. Yes. It's blue. and It's, uh, it's, it's, it's my Christmas jumper. It's, it's a it Because it's a Christmas podcast. It's horrible Christmas jumper. How was your... Uh, if we knew you were going to wear this, we wouldn't have done a Christmas podcast. I wouldn't have answered the door. <laughs> Uh, how was your writing your uh, poems for your kids' class this week? Did you uh, have to do Very that? good, yes, and I had to do that at uh, the weekend. My children were with their grandparents at the weekend, uh, so uh, my mother-in-law uh, was commandeered in to make the surprise. But uh, okay. I, had to, I had to write the poem, so okay. it was a team effort. There it was you very go. good. What yeah. was the uh, surprise? The surprise was an ice hockey stick, because ah. his, uh, his school friend is a uh, big ice hockey fan. Okay, so, yeah. cool. Very nice, yeah. very nice. And he got a Pokemon ball. He got, he got his surprise from the teacher. Oh. His teacher was in the in the drawer in as well. In the drawer as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, good for him. Glad he yeah. enjoyed it. And uh, you're going to tell us about your manifesto? I don't need to because you guys <laughs> have already read it. <laughs> but I, I got very mad at a Reuters article this week, oh. so I wrote like a 1,500-word diatribe against it that was a little intense. Is this part of the uh, Di Nimi Namo No No? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> December <laughs> manifesto writing month. Yeah. Yeah. December detox after this is, Yeah, this is what happens when I, I don't have to write 1,500 words a day <laughs> on a novel. I have to find something else yeah. to write 1,500 <laughs> Yeah, words spare words that have to go somewhere <laughs> yeah. and it went into this Reuters article about Amsterdam it was such a, it was such a bad article <laughs> and I was so mad at it I was so mad at it and you still are and I want to remind our listeners that Dutch News has a bunch of giveaways going on this week for books and clocks and tulips um, we will link to the competitions in the liner notes so please send in your photos for the competitions don't send photos of Christmas sweaters please, please do not send <laughs> photos of Christmas sweaters or just send your Christmas sweaters. This week we will tell you about the latest penis-related opeth, why texting while driving is bad, and Gordon will update you on stickball sports things. For our discussion, we're going to be talking about Christmas and New Year's and why the Top 2000 is the greatest tradition in the history of this and all nations. I do not endorse this message. <laughs> <laughs> Dutch singer Maan accepted the apologies of Radio 538 host Frank Dane after he confronted her with a nude male while she was singing live on air. The 20-year-old singer, who won the 2015 edition of The Voice of Holland, was so shocked 
She burst out in tears while the others in the studio laughed. The incident happened November 17th, but singer Tim Knoll brought attention to it after he called other singers to boycott the radio station on Sunday. Others accused the radio station of sexual intimidation. Volkskrant columnist Sheila Sitalsing pointed out that Mann, as a singer, is dependent on radio stations like this with, quote, sleazy little man. Mann said in a statement that, quote, it was a totally misplaced and really stupid prank, but it happened three weeks ago, and after several apologies from Frank and his team, the incident is now closed. So how did this happen? Who <laughs> thought this was a good idea? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. But I, I don't think they do this kind of pranks very often. No. So it really just was a one, one-time thing. Yeah. But yeah, and colossally misjudged. Yeah. And probably was one of those situations where it's just a bunch of radio executives sitting in a room who are all male and think this is a great, between themselves, it's a great idea because they're in this kind of closed circle of men who haven't really worked out. Yeah, everyone in the studio was male. There were several several people there and there was also an audience uh, uh, present and uh, yeah, they were all male, well, and except her. So not only does it bother me that they did this in the first place, but the fact that she reacted so strongly and everyone laughed at her, I think just, there's something wrong with yeah, people that do that. Yeah. I assume you all have arranged for a stripper to run through the podcast studio this morning. Yeah, yeah, but he's wearing a... God, I'm going to burst into tears. <laughs> Primary school teachers are to stage a second one-day strike next Tuesday to protest about the pay gap in education and the high workload. The teachers met Education Minister Ari Slob last week, but failed to negotiate an increase on the previous government's pledge to invest an extra £750 million in education. One third of that money is due to be spent on wages, but teachers say they need £900 million to raise their pay to the same level as secondary school teachers. Overall, they're demanding the government raises its spending commitment to €1.4 billion. Euros. So it will be another day off for your kids? Not day off for my kids. Yeah, and for you as well. <coughs> well, no, not day off for me. Another day uh, working to keep them entertained, <laughs> keep them off the streets. <laughs> so how much support is there for this strike, Gordon? The first strike on October the 5th was uh, widely supported. So there was a protest on the Maliefelt in The Hague and about 30,000 teachers turned up for that. And I think most schools around the country went on strike. And there'd been a one-hour strike before the summer holidays, a kind of early signal while the cabinet formation talks were going on. Yeah, but we don't consider that a strike? Well, it wasn't one day. This yeah. is the second one-day strike. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah the second full true. day off. It came on the agenda quite quickly. It wasn't organised by the trade unions initially. There's a protest group called Peo Inaxi, uh, who claimed to represent about 40,000 primary school teachers out of the total of 130,000. But the union has now come on board and they're supporting the move. And the next stage, if they don't get any movement from the government, is they're planning a series of relay strikes next year. Which that? They, they do the strikes by region. Each region takes a turn uh, to go on strike. So okay. they get they constantly get the publicity, but because they'll have one a month, but it's less disruptive. So like every province is going on strike for yeah, a every day province will have a one day strike, but right. they'll take it in turns, so they won't all go on strike on the same day. It's very considerate of them. So uh, Gordon, how are you going to entertain your kids while they're off for the day? Uh, we don't even get an early morning in bed because one of my children's got a dental appointment next Tuesday. But uh, probably on the PlayStation, knowing them. But there are lots of activities uh, being organised. Some museums and sports clubs and uh, bookstores. And if uh, you work for ENG, uh, the, you can take your kids to work f- with you. And they're putting on a programme of gym and lunch. And uh, there's a games room. And probably the adults will spend the day on the PlayStation and the kids will uh, sit around reading books. The kids aren't going to sell mortgages and stuff like that? They probably will, actually. That's probably exactly what will happen. They, yeah. they, will, they will do better than they'll, the actual... They'll do a better job of it than the adults, <laughs> yeah. I definitely want to get my mortgage from a from a six year old. <laughs> the highly regarded and esteemed president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, announced this week that the U.S. plans to move its embassy in Israel from the current location in Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. The move has received criticism in many diplomatic communities, including from the Dutch Foreign Minister Halbe Zelstra, who called the move unwise and counterproductive on Twitter. 
Zelstra, who was in the Bebe Day, was joined in his condemnation by two of the other three members of the ruling coalition, the Deza Sassestag and Sedea. The move was supported by the fourth coalition partner, the Christian Uni, as well as the SGP, and, of course, the PVV. So, uh, can you explain why Trump is doing this? I assume it's because the Trump enterprise has recently invested in ulcer medication producing factories <laughs> and wants to stimulate production. Seriously, Trump claims it is because Jerusalem is, according to Israel, the official capital of the country. However, ownership of the city is contested by the Palestinians. The move has been roundly condemned. It seems mostly that he's just kind of playing to a right-wing base who think that the rights for it, for Israel to have all of this land over the, the Arabs who also have claim to it is, yeah. yeah. But even among the Jewish community in the U.S., who are mostly quite right-wing, you would say, yeah. even, even among them, there's yeah. most, most of them don't support recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of the country, yeah. as I understand it. So. Yeah, no, and, and and even in Israel, they, you know, there's been a lot of media coverage yeah. of, of Israelis who also say that this is just antagonistic for no reason. Jerusalem is, is contested. Israel thinks it's theirs, but the Palestinians also argue that it's theirs. So it's a bit of a finger in the eye. There's been a lot of anger um, coming from yeah the Palestinian factions. Yeah. But it was so roundly condemned by other world leaders, and you know, I think Macron came out very yeah. strongly against it. And, uh, you know, is, is this not... A, in a way as well about kind of waning American influence in the world because in the past uh, America basically did more or less as it pleased and uh, and the rest of the world didn't put up too much for a fight whereas now Trump is doing one thing that everyone is just condemning and saying you know we're not going to follow suit on this one. Yeah I think so I mean I think it goes to show the lack of foreign policy and diplomatic experience in the Trump administration and that they don't really seem to have a concept of how sort of diplomacy works and how delicate mm. these issues can be and how these things are kind of perceived by a, by a larger community. And I also think that people just take the U.S. much less seriously with Trump at the helm. Yeah, and as well as recognizing Judaism as a capital, you also want to build a new embassy. So th this is Trump's answer to foreign policy issues is to put up a building. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's probably a, a tactic to divert attention from his uh, upcoming trial and probably <laughs> yeah, possibly impeachment as well. Yeah, well, uh, there's a lot going on there. Is that the only an interesting political story we've had this week? Uh, no, there was something that hit actually a little bit closer to home. The new coalition has opted to rule out a referendum on referendums. Home Affairs Minister Cassie Ollenkrang will insert a clause in the bill to scrap referendums, ruling out the option of a public vote on the issue. In the coalition, only the Deisessestag is in favor of referendums, but they don't support the current system. So it just mean there'll be no more referendums? We will have one last hurrah. In March, when the country goes to the polls for local elections, voters will also be able to express their opinion about the so-called Big Brother law. Yeah, but we're basically abolishing the idea of popular votes. I mean, uh, after Brexit and Trump, I, yeah. I am I am pretty much in favor of yeah. abolishing popular votes. But we're still going to the top 2000, sadly. Is that going to be banned as well? It should be. Yeah, no, it should be. Yeah. Absolutely not. So, Paul, our listeners may not know this about you, but you are a professional taxi chauffeur. So, I want to ask you an opinion your opinion on something. Is texting while driving safe? No. So why do so many people in your country do it? Is, is it only a thing that people in the Netherlands do? I, I, I don't think so. No, but this is the Dutch News Podcast, not the World News Podcast. <laughs> we talked about Trump and Jerusalem. And, and it was terrible, and I didn't want to when you guys made me. <laughs> so now I'm returning the favor. Um. According to a poll released this week by Road Safety Research Institute, SVOVE, 65% of people use their mobile phones in traffic. This includes drivers, cyclists, and moped operators. Operators of motor vehicles 
are already not allowed to use mobile phones while driving, but Dutch Transport Minister Cora van Nieuwenhuizen plans to introduce legislation banning people from sending mobile phone messages while cycling next year. The government is also looking at options for increasing the penalties for texting while driving in an effort to decrease phone usage by drivers. Paul, I assume you're okay with this because the legislation doesn't say anything about Snapchatting while driving. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I would <laughs> vote in favor. If there's a referendum, I would vote in favor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It also says nothing about uh, taking uh, videos of uh, people in the street. Yeah. <laughs> that no, wasn't no, while no, I was ten. driving. I was no. sitting on the bench. But how are they going to enforce this uh, ban on uh, texting while cycling? Uh, yeah, the minister was uh, uh, in a talk show last night, and she said that she doesn't expect uh, there will be a problem because you know it's it's forbidden to drive through a red light as yeah. well, and there's no police officer standing next to every light. So mm-hmm. uh, she and which why everyone ro- goes through red lights on their bike the whole time uh, on the bike yeah that's true that's <laughs> true in cars they don't so she she says she's not expecting any problems with that but uh, she's also looking at some technical measures that can be taken for example if you are in a moving vehicle y- you can't use your phone for example yeah. but that means the passenger can't use f- uh, their phones either yeah and so that's why yeah. what they have to figure out and if you're traveling on the motorway with children in the back and they can't use uh, electronic devices then basically your, your world is ruined <laughs> yeah road rage <laughs> incidents are going to spike <laughs> Tremendously. <laughs> There'll be more addresses by, by people who are just driven to distraction by their kids than there would have been by people using their phones. Yeah, I think that will be a real. Uh, That'll be the next stage. I mean, danger, yeah. I presume they're going to enforce the no texting while cycling rule the same way they enforce like the bike lights rule, right? Like if yeah. cops are out and they see you, then you get a fine, and it's a all fairly about substantial while, fine. Yeah, all the rule about drinking while yeah. they're cycling, which yeah. in other words, they basically won't, except yeah. very occasionally they'll be yeah. in the odd spot check. Yeah, as long as you. But you'll probably get away with it. Yeah. Hated that. What's Hated that. Yeah, red, caught red-handed. Caught red-handed. Yeah. Text handed, cut red fingered, red fingered. Well, if you yeah, if you fall off and your fingers bleed, then uh, <laughs> <laughs> this has got weird. Some positive football news for a change. It's final. Really? Yeah, really. Oh, final won a game. <laughs> Not just them. Another team won a game as well. What's a wow. final? <laughs> Feyenoord salvaged some pride from their dismal Champions League campaign by winning their final group game in Rotterdam. A last minute header by Jeremiah St. Just gave them a 2 1 win over Italian club Napoli, despite the Rotterdamers playing the last few minutes with 10 men after Tony Vilhena was sent off. But it couldn't stop Feyenoord finishing bottom of their group, although they were spared the ignominy of uh, null point. <laughs> and on Thursday night, Vitesse Arnhem. Zero. <laughs> zero point. A big fat zero. Yeah. On Thursday night, Vitesse Arnhem grabbed their first win in the Europa League when they beat Nice 1-0, but like Feyenoord, they'd already been eliminated. Okay, so they won, but they got eliminated anyway. They, they got the points, but it was pointless. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, what about this teenager Ajax have signed from, uh, from Belgium? Yeah, no, I want to ask about child labour. So Gordon, I hear that uh, IX is exploiting uh, uh, children in their their latest roster lineup for uh, football. Well, technically not, because he's 19 years old. That it's person is a, a th- child. This happens in football an awful lot. This is a teenage winger that they signed from uh, the Belgian club Mechelen, who's from Burkina Faso originally, oh, okay. uh, that footballing hotbed. Uh, Burema Hassani Bande. He's scored nine goals in 15 matches, um, which is pretty impressive, especially as his club is second bottom of the league, so not exactly winning much. And they fought off competition from Manchester United and Arsenal, apparently, for his signature. The Telegraph said they paid 9.5 million euros for his signature, which is... Uh, for how much money can we sell you? 
or your kids. No, not even <laughs> 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 Christmas jumper on or not? <laughs> 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 that might uh, change the. I think <laughs> with the Christmas jumper on, we would have to pay someone else. Yeah, will reduce your value dramatically. Yeah. All your kids again? Fourteen and twelve. So yeah. Okay, so nine point five million. The old, the oldest one is now old enough to play violin for under a year as long as he finishes at eleven o'clock. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, there was also a child labor story this week. They were giving this concert in Maastricht. Some famous director guy. No, it's only you who's the, the world famous violinist. Yeah, and the uh, the concert ran late, and so Dutch law says that you can't uh, have children working in the entertainment industry after 11 p.m. But the concert ran, I think, until midnight, and so he had gotten fined. But then the labor board like reduced the. Fine, well, first of all, they reduced the fine. Then he went to court, and they fined him because they said that uh, because it was kind of his concert and his orchestra that he was employing these kids. But the court decided that he wasn't; that they were just kind of I don't know, working freelance or I something. Guess they, so. they, 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 yeah. they work for Deliveroo on the, <laughs> on the weekends. <laughs> they're, they're, from, yeah, they're, they're from Romania. So that's so a fair trip. Yeah. But anyway, coming back to football. Oh, um, right. yeah, that's what we're <laughs> talking about. <laughs> yeah, I just signed another teenager this week as well. Defender Pers who is from the less exotic destination <laughs> of Fortuna Sittard. Well, it's, it's very. Yeah. Uh, for, for a lot of people, that's a very exotic uh, destination. <laughs> yeah, for lots of round stutters, uh, yeah. it's, it's very exotic. Yeah, anywhere where they still black up for Sinterklaas is still, <laughs> is exotic. He'll be an Ajax player from January the 1st, although he'll stay at Sittard for the rest of the season on loan. Okay, that's the football news. In animal news, the wild orchid that was found in the Wadden Sea in 2010 and now lived in the Loro Park Amusement Park in Tenerife is pregnant in contravention of the condition of her transfer to Spain. The orca, nicknamed Morgan, was found severely weakened in the Wadden Sea in 2010 and was brought to the Dolphinarium in Harderwijk. It was decided Morgan could not return to the wild and was instead sent to Loro Park in Spain, where she would be kept for research purposes only. However, the orca has since become part of a show of performing animals, violating the amusement park certificate for keeping her, and according to the Free Morgan Foundation, her health is suffering. Breeding the orca would also be in breach of the certificate. This is a really screwed up story, mm. man. It's yeah, so because uh, uh, they tried to save the orca and they sent it to Tenerife and mm. they were doing all this stuff with her. That you know they're not supposed to do yeah, yeah. So, so the one basic condition was um don't use her for breeding or get her pregnant and they've yeah and don't pregnant. use her for en yeah. entertainment so for and entertainment they're doing that as well yeah, yeah. yeah well and it's particularly bad because she's quite young and so it's like not exactly it's it's a little dangerous actually yeah, she's 11 and yeah. apparently that's very young for orcas to be pregnant and there's some other animal news right paul yeah that's true um after a year dutch police will stop training eagles to intercept terrorist drones Training the birds turned out to be more expensive and more complex than anticipated, and it was feared the birds will act differently than in the controlled training environment, a police spokesperson told broadcaster NOS. The police also announced they will stop using sniffer rats, which were going to detect fake cigarettes, illegal fireworks and even human bones. But unfortunately, it turned out to be unfeasible to get the rats operational. <laughs> so how did they establish this, that the rats weren't going to cooperate? Uh, they asked them, <laughs> and they said, no, we're not going to cooperate. <laughs> the rat union had yeah. a strike. <laughs> did they have a referendum? <laughs> a rat referendum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had a rat referendum. So what happens to all these eagles and rats? They will be sent to a reef, I guess. I had heard that they're being retired and sent to, like, animal sanctuaries. Uh, yeah. But this story reminds me of, uh, of the CIA program in the 90s. 
1960s, yeah. they trained the cat to spy in Russian embassies and in the Kremlin, and they installed a microphone in its ear and a mm. transmitter in its tail. Uh, but when they set it out, it almost immediately got hit by a taxi, oh and, and $20 million were squished underneath the taxi. I was going to say that, but yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, was the driver of the taxi on his phone at the time? <laughs> yeah, he was texting while driving. He was Snapchatting, yeah. Because he saw a cat and he thought, I've got a This taxi driver was Paul, basically. <laughs> <laughs> he was spitting the middle finger at me. What am I going to do? We will be discussing Christmas, apparently, after this word from our sponsors. Exus is an independent, not-for-profit organization which has been helping internationals successfully settle in the Netherlands for the past 30 years. Exus is run entirely by a team of highly skilled, motivated and professional volunteers who have themselves been experts. Their vision is to provide essential, comprehensive and unique services nationally through the expertise and experience of their volunteer expatriate community. You can find out more about AXIS and the services they offer at the website www.axis-nl.org. If you are interested in reaching an international audience with your product or service, you can email to podcast at dutchnews.nl for our competitive advertising rates. So our topic this week is mostly an excuse for us to extol the virtues of the top 2000, which is amazing. Don't you all agree? Yeah, well, I, I like... The, yeah, we should first explain what the top 2000 is. Yes, Paul, tell us what is the top 2000. Uh, it's an annual tradition in the Netherlands. In the month of December, people can send in their top 30 best songs to this radio station, uh, Radio 2, and they will form a list of uh, this ranking of, of the top two thousand best uh, songs. You can you can send in your uh, votes for the month December, and then between Christmas and New Year's Eve, they broadcast the entire top two thousand at once. And uh, well, the, uh, the number one is always known. It's always it's always the same song. It's always, it's always, always song is this? Yeah, it's always it's Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, Casey, sometimes it's Hotel California. Hotel California. Right, yeah. yeah, it was. I think it was last year. It was this one time. Uh, uh, and then there was like this one year a few years ago where it was some Dutch singer that happened to have a really popular oh, song. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Fun fact: more people vote in the top two thousand than in general elections. If general elections had a soundtrack and guys in like glass houses playing DJing, then more people would vote in the general elections. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> and, and we would also get the same party in power. <laughs> bad karaoke bar with your dad for a whole week because it's always the same songs that come out on top every single year and it also kind of affects the whole kind of playlist for the radio stations for all the rest of the year as well so things like I mean I, I, oh, I hadn't, well I hadn't heard Dire Straits or Genesis on the radio for about 10 years before I moved to this country and now I have like a ticker in my head thinking of, of, of days since Sultans of Swing was last <laughs> on the radio it rarely gets above about 8 days it's appalling it's an extra crescent <laughs> it's like please listen to some new music sometime it's like every Dutch radio station <laughs> bought a box of 45 uh, records in a car boot sale in 1989 and they've never updated their music list since. It's appalling. <laughs> I can't stand it. So are my views clear? But these are 2,000 <laughs> different songs. 
No, no, it's 2000 songs that are always the same it's song. It's not just Dire Straits, I repeat, it's all It feels like. That's not how it works. There's new music in there. Gordon is a great There's a bit of new music. Your okay. heart is two sizes too small. Dire jumpers tightening around your neck and making you very cranky. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's a fun tradition. <laughs> Are you lying now? <laughs> no, I like the top 2000. Ah, really? I think it's a fun tradition. Yeah, I, th- I think the idea of 2000 s- uh, different songs in a row is it's a nice idea, but this, there is this enormous hype around this. Yeah. Uh, uh, people go to the top 2000 cafe. Yeah. Uh, it, that's the yeah. place where they broadcast from. And they, uh, y- you, can, you can watch it. You can, there is a live stream on the internet. Yeah. You can watch uh, Baby Boomers in a polonaise yeah. uh, as in, uh, dancing badly on dire straits that's true and uh, what could be better <laughs> than watching baby boomers dancing badly to for dire straits for five Strait? days six days yeah, straight exactly. what else are you doing it's for the week six before dire straits <laughs> <laughs> it's the week before Christmas and New Year's there's nothing else going on anyway it's funny yeah well the idea is nice but I don't like the hype around it no I think it's great. I think it's a lot of fun. Did, did you send your, your top I have sent my top 30 in already. Did and you? And I, uh, did I, always, you really? I always get the list and then like insist on tuning into the radio for songs that I like particularly. <laughs> I'm oh, very so, yeah, because they, because because they published it. Yeah, they published the, the whole list. So I get the whole list yeah. and then like I, I, I highlight the songs that I want to listen and to. And they publish exactly what, what time each song is yeah. individual yeah, songs. Yeah, yeah, even yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a good, I think it's a good tradition. Or we can just play on Spotify whenever you like. But it's not, it doesn't have the same like feeling of like tuning in something you should appreciate this Gordon you're old like tuning into songs <laughs> on the radio yeah. Yeah, but that's that's kind of the point it's, uh, only baby boomers and uh, 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 people from over 50 vote and you apparently. and me yeah. uh, and that's why these songs that are always uh, in the top 10 always end up in the top 10 yeah because and I think that's the point of it so really, is it, is it, as, an, as, an, as an old person as you just kind of described me Molly it's, uh, you know these are songs a lot of these are songs I hated the first time around and I spent 30 years trying to forget them and now they come around Every Gordon, Christmas. it is a democracy. <laughs> if you want to change the top 2000, you have to participate in the democracy and vote. And you can vote for 30 Bruno Mars songs if that's what you want to hear from the top 2000. What do you want now? I want, I want, I want, I want, I want better 80s music than the 80s music <laughs> that gets into the top 2000. I want to new order. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> so what are some other uh, good uh, Christmas, New Year's traditions here in the Netherlands? Olibola. Olibola. Olibola are good. Yeah, Hands down, Olibola is the best. But, but not with the raisins. No, not with the raisins. No, I'm not a fan of the raisins too. However, uh, I never, I think I'd never had a, a good olibol with raisins because I went to this place in The Hague and then uh, they ran out normal olibol, so I just got a raisin olibol just to try it, and I actually liked it. Yeah. But usually they 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 get really hard and you have to. Yeah, that's true. They're yeah. Really dry. They dry. They're really dry. Yeah. But this these were. I have good. to say, Paul has ruined my uh, olibol experience because we have. I paid for your olibol. That's the problem. Oh. Um, so we have an olibol stand here in Delft, and I used to go to the olibol stands every year, several times a year, because I think olibol are delicious. And then Paul decided that we needed to go try one of the best olibol stands. So we went to this olibol stand in Hague, and it was so much better. And now every time I have olibol in Delft, I'm disappointed that it's not from this <laughs> other stand. Oh, so I ruined your Delft olibol. <laughs> ruined olibola. my Delft olibol yeah. experience. So that's very wow. da- challenging. But fortunately, Paul and I have a mutual friend who makes Olibala, and he uses my KitchenAid machine to do it. So yeah. he comes and picks up the KitchenAid and then delivers to me on New Year's Eve a box of homemade that's fantastic. Olibala. It's also a, a tradition that around Sinterklaas, he asks for Molly to uh, to use uh, her 
your yeah. uh, kitchen aid mm, to take yes. over your kitchen yeah. aid. Yeah. 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 So what else do we like about uh, about Christmas here? What do you what do you guys do for Christmas, Gordon? Uh, well, we're, uh, we're actually going to um, see my parents in England uh, okay. this Christmas, but usually we go and see the grandparents in uh, or, yeah, uh, my in-laws up in Drenthe, yeah. and uh, my mother-in-law will, will will cook some kind of a roulade or something. What do you usually eat at uh, Christmas dinner? Do you have a standard thing, Paul? No, we don't have a standard thing. Uh, last year we had beef Wellington. Mm. Uh, yeah, now we do have a, a standard thing that's uh, that's a shrimp uh, starter, mm-hmm. uh-huh. a, a ghanala cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know it? Yes. Yes. Um, so that's what my mother always makes. That's the only thing she cooks in the entire year. My uh-huh. father is always the cook. The cook. And uh, that's the only thing she cooks, and uh, well, that's uh, that's her thing. Oh, that's our standard go. Christmas uh, Christmas yeah. uh, dinner thing. Very nice. And um, Molly, what are you going to do? We are flying back from the U.S. on Christmas Eve, so we will land here very early in the morning on first Christmas Day, and then it's a little undecided at the moment. Uh, my boyfriend's uncle is having a first Christmas Day thing, so if we're not too jet lagged, we may go to Amsterdam for that, and then his parents celebrate on second Christmas Day. Yeah. So we'll be there for. A few this is the other great Dutch tradition, isn't it? You've got to work, you've got to schedule your two Christmas days yeah. to decide which family you see on. Yeah. Christmas Day 1 and which one you see in Christmas Day 2 yeah actually so my in-laws have gotten I think a little lucky because (laughs) they only have two kids right so my boyfriend's sister she has a Dutch boyfriend and so there the negotiation is always kind of about when his family is going to celebrate and so for us it doesn't matter because I have no family to go see on Christmas (laughs) anyway and you don't want to see them anyway and I don't want to see them anyway (laughs) so it's just kind of like yeah whatever so for us the scheduling is always uh, is always quite easy and it's a very lazy thing. Last year we had uh, uh, some stew, some sort of Belgian like stew for, for dinner. Belgian stew? Yeah, it was very nice with like red cabbage and stuff. Oh, it was quite good. So That's nice. Uh, my family always uh, celebrates Christmas on Christmas Eve yeah. because we uh, used to work, uh, all my sisters and I used to work in this restaurant and which was open on the first Christmas day and the second Christmas day. And that was the only day in the year we got we got double paid, so yeah. we mm. wanted to work yeah. on these days. So uh, uh, my parents were off in on uh, on on both Christmas days, and we were working. Uh, uh, and when we would be working and th- that kind of stayed so we always celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve yeah, and then nice. uh, the other days yeah we have uh, we can do other things there you go mm-hmm. very nice very I will nice. be working on Christmas uh, of course. as well yeah. as a taxi chauffeur yeah I will, will you be snapchatting us a lot I will be snapchatting you my uh, my Christmas uh, jumper yeah and my Christmas hat and my uh, <laughs> uh, Christmas uh, passengers there you go uh, yeah. I will be double paid so who sort of I uh, can pay to find who yeah. uh, who do you uh, usually drive around on Christmas uh, usually uh, uh, Elderly uh, women or men who are visiting their families, or and their families uh, want to uh, want to have a drink, so they don't want to drive them home. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other uh, Dutch Christmas traditions that we enjoy? Talk about the fireworks. Oh yeah, yeah. buy a big box of uh, in uh, of, uh, small small bombs uh, to let off at. Uh, no, this year. actually yeah. because my my dog very sadly passed away in May. This is the first New Year's I've oh. had in the Netherlands where I don't have to worry about him hating everything. The, usually the the week of Christmas and New Year's is a disaster because everybody's setting off all these fireworks and he doesn't like them. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure what we're going to do for New Year's, but we d- we did not purchase any uh, fireworks. What about you? Are you going to let your children? Uh, Set off fireworks and and possibly blow up their fingers. We'll probably have a small. <laughs> they will be cut red-handed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> no-handed. <laughs> no, yeah. We'll be with uh, their their grandparents at uh, New Year. Is that a thing in, uh, in 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 the UK or in uh, or in uh, uh, the US to have fireworks? Yeah, it's, it's always a, a show, right? It's become a bigger thing in in UK lately because fireworks was uh, traditionally always um, for Guy Fawkes Night in November. Uh, but uh, yeah, recent, since the millennium, I think fireworks displays have become more of a feature of New Year. We do have, tend to have more public displays. 
not so much people letting off fireworks. In yeah, the in the U.S., the it's much more a public organized yeah. display um, than people. Yeah, maybe they have sparklers or something, but not quite what they have uh, what they have here. They yeah, because the safety board have recommended that that's what should happen here as well, yeah. right? That uh, we shouldn't have uh, people letting off fireworks on the street anymore and uh, taking their eyes out. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you, Paul? Do you have a big box of fireworks? No, I never bought fireworks. Really? Yeah. Never. You never right. smuggle any fireworks across the border from Belgium? I thought that's what, what everyone um, did. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, li we live, uh, my parents live 10 minutes from the Belgian border, but we never uh, we never had any fireworks. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what's the smart thing to do is uh, don't buy anything, walk outside uh, at midnight, and then enjoy other people's money mm -hmm. being wasted. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I usually do. Last year I was at a, at a party in a, um, in a flat, in an apartment building. Uh, it was very high, it was on the t 20th floor or something, so I thought, well, that's nice. We have an excellent view over Tilburg and the fireworks. But uh, when they, when, when, uh, when it was midnight and they set off all the fireworks, then immediately the entire city was uh, covered in smoke <laughs> and smog, so we couldn't see anything. Yeah. So that, w that was that was uh, a bit of a shame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a big bonfire on the beach in Escheveningen as well, don't they? They pile up these yeah. all these old pallets. Yeah, and, and in uh, other small villages, they have yeah. uh, uh, they're doing a race for the for the biggest uh, bonfire. Yeah. yeah. They do, uh, they do a bonfire here in Delft as well, and they usually drag out their old Christmas trees. I, I see a lot of like old like oh, yeah. Christmas mm. trees that have gone out. Yeah, people burn the Christmas trees. And so, will any of you guys be jumping into the sea on Christmas Day? I have done or this. Or on New Year's Day? I have done this in the past. I'm not Did not you? this year because in I'll your be sweater? in your sweater. No, my, no, no. In in do, you have a, do you have a Christmas speedo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a snowman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please stop. <laughs> No, well, I'll be in Drenthe, so there's no sea there. <laughs> so uh, not this year I won't be. But I have done you can do it in lakes too. No, I'm, I'm in with a... With a I'm in, I'm stand in outside and have your in-laws like, spray you with a hose. <laughs> <laughs> could do that, yeah. yeah maybe. Why on earth did you do this, Gordon? It was yeah. fun. I enjoyed it. it, was it, was it was I, I, went, I went down to the sea with a lot of Dutch people, and they all sort of paddled into the water, and after they sort of got up to their ankles, they ran back screaming with cold. I had a proper swim. It was nice. It was about nine, the water was nine degrees. In Scotland, that's tropical. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I, I I Have you it. ever uh, done this uh, <laughs> sea jumping thing, Paul? Of course not. Yeah, me either. I, uh, no, you, uh, I think I will... First, I have to die, and then I c will consider it. Yeah, <laughs> I think I would have to die, be brought to be brought back to life, die again, <laughs> then maybe I would consider it. Yeah. They do in Edinburgh as well. Yeah. But, but apparently it's a, yeah, it's a group activity, so mm. you're standing there with thousands of others, and then all of a sudden well, it's not that bad anymore. But yeah. It sounds terrible. Yeah, it's, it's really awful. terrible. It's fun. Did you have an Unox uh, hat? No, yeah. I didn't, no, I didn't have any. They, they handed out. No. Mm -hmm. no, so I didn't do the big uh, official one at Scaffling. We just had. Like, oh. yeah. no, we just went down with a little group to the uh, to, to our local beach. Um, that's even weirder. Yeah, <laughs> focal bag. It was much nicer. You're a weirdo, Gordon. Yeah. I think that's the conclusion. So what else? Do we do we do we touch on all of the good Christmas New Year's traditions here in the Netherlands? Do yeah. we miss anything? Uh, is, it, is anyone uh, being given a cast stall by a relative that hates them yet? Or? No. no, I never had a guest hall too. Never had no. a guest no. No. I have a giant, uh, uh, what is that cookie called that's sitting in my kitchen? Speculaspop. Yeah, like a huge oh, yes. one. Yeah. Uh, so oh, they're nice. We'll make speculas cookies. I have a speculas mold. Yeah, I saw, so that. I saw that. Yeah, was that part of your uh, Santa Claus gift? It was part of my Inbarker and curses. <laughs> no, we got it. Uh, we got it last year because I always like in the U.S. It's very common to make Christmas cookies. 
Um, and so we quite like to do it. It's a, it's a family tradition. So when I was making them for the first time with my Dutch boyfriend, he wanted to do speculas. So that's what we did. Have you, have you inflicted eggnog on your Dutch relatives yet? Uh, I am taking... Okay, <laughs> I can't... Maybe I can't announce this because I'm not yeah. sure if my stepmom listens to this podcast, but we are taking a big jar of uh, avocado home to uh, to show show the family. But we... I mean, the in the U.S. you drink eggnog, but it's not the same thing. Like, eggnog is much more li- liquidy and like... like Does it have alcohol in it? Yeah, it has alcohol oh. in it. And it, it, but it's it's like a, a beverage. Avocado is like boozy pudding. I mean, like yeah. you can't drink it, right? Yeah. Like you have to eat it with a spoon. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. it's a different sort of concept. But I'm not a big fan of eggnog. But I gotta say, avocado pretty tasty. That's hmm. uh, I highly recommend that. I've never tried it. It's it's boo- it's like boozy pudding. Like oh, it's well. just like eating a dessert with a ton of booze in it. Like there's just nothing wrong you with that. I always thought you, you you had to be over eighty to uh, no, to eat. No, they do not avocado. card you to buy uh, avocado. No, I had my. Um, <laughs> you have to show your ID. <laughs> yeah, you have to show your ID. You have to show that you're you have to show that you're retired. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I had my first avocado experience uh, maybe a year ago and here in Delft because I had been I had been informed of the concept of avocado and nobody and I was like this is absurd and so a friend of mine who owns a bar was like next time you come in I'm going to serve you one what's the day dick avocado it was a dick avocado <laughs> <laughs> no and she gave me this like glass with a spoon and a bunch of whipped cream on top and oh. I was eating it and I was like this really just tastes like like very thick vanilla pudding with like a lot of like booze in it and whipped cream and I was like There's, this is delicious like, I don't know what the big deal is it's really tasty but they only serve it in really tiny small glasses right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah it's like pre- a port glass or yeah, something yeah so you would, you would prefer a bigger uh, I would cup or yeah, something but you can uh, get it from the from the fancy uh, cheese shop that we go to they sell avocado their own homemade in buckets mm-hmm. and it's it's really like a large mason jar so we're gonna be uh, <laughs> we're gonna be taking some of that home for the family yeah yeah Okay. Yeah, so we won't, in all seriousness, we will be back. This is our last podcast before the holiday. We will be back the first week of January, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so January you guys sixth. have a, a two week break from us. Yeah, four week. Four week break. Is it four weeks? No. I think it's four weeks. weeks it's four weeks. Yeah, it's four not, weeks. It's not it two weeks. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a long time. It's a long time to be, yeah. Wow, um, I get to be away from you guys for a whole month? Um, That's yeah, glorious. I'm going spend a whole month from, yeah, from not being in your bedroom, That's, which is uh, my quite a relief. It'll be very lonely without you here. Mm. No. We will miss it. Yeah. I, I was I was just developing Stockholm Syndrome. That's all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today, including where you can vote for the top 2,000 in the liner <laughs> notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. My thanks to Gordon Derrick and Paul Paters. I'm Molly Quell. We'll be back next year. <laughs>